With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Berry. And guys, we have a football game to talk about, not to preview, although we have one of those too. But the Arizona Wildcats played a football game this past weekend, and it wasn't bad. Like, it wasn't a win, but it wasn't bad. Yeah, not only played a football game, was competitive in, and probably could have, should have would have won if not for a few key failings down the stretch. Yeah, Arizona played USC. They lost 34-30. to Arizona entered the game two touchdown underdogs, and we made our predictions last week. Neither one of us thought Arizona was going to be competitive, and we said largely because, well, USC may not be great, but just the talent gap is just so wide. And, you know, the, the game did not start off well with Grant Cannell throwing an interception on the third play from scrimmage, which I attribute more to jitters. It looked like he just wasn't comfortable yet, and maybe that's because it's the first game of the season, and that's Arizona having not played last week or the week before kind of hurt them because after that he settled in he was really good. But it looked bad early on with that, but Arizona battled. They were in this game. Like, it's not – I guess the easiest way to say this is if Arizona had played like this last season, it would have been a much different story because Arizona lost this game, but they were in this game, and like you said, Brett, they had a chance. They had the lead with under a minute left. And if not for Christian Roland Wallace being maybe a half inch shorter or something, you know, he could have had an interception that would have won the game for Arizona or clinched the game. Like Arizona was in a football game, legitimately in a football game for the first time since they beat Colorado last season. Not only were they, did they have the lead, they had the lead twice in like the last five or six minutes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, w- I would like to say, I, I would say check the tape, because I'm pretty sure I, I said that they would lose, but I thought that they would be competitive. Yeah, so but our final score would... predictions weren't particularly competitive. I mean, I I had 34 or 17, I believe, which I was half right, because USC <laughs> did end up with 34 points. Yeah, um, I, but the, uh, the... I, I, that, <laughs> I think the key, the, the thing that, if you would have told me that Grant Cannell would start off with a bad interception on the first drive. Um, and Arizona would have ended the game in a position where they probably should have won that game. Uh, I would have not believed you because I was, I was a pr- pretty big believer in they need to get off to a hot, hot start. And they definitely did not do that. But to your point, they recovered very uh, effectively. And while it was not a perfect game or a perfectly clean game, and there were some, you know, penalties that USC committed in our favor, though likewise there were similar mm-hmm. dumb penalties on Arizona. You know, it was a little bit sloppy in that sense. Um, you know, there was a lot of things to like. There were certainly things you to that you could take issue with or look at look at as being concerning. But all in all, you know, you saw some fight from the Arizona Wildcats. Yeah, and this kind of goes to the low bar we have set for this team in this program right now, where it's like, hey, you're competitive. That's a good thing, but. In reality, Arizona, during their seven-game losing streak at the end of last season, they weren't competitive in most of the games. Maybe like for not for a full 60 minutes anyway. Like They had games where they were ahead at halftime. ASU, uh, Washington, they were ahead of at halftime. You know, they were competitive for a half, but it just all fell apart, and they never had a chance to win. You never once thought in the second half of those games that they were going to win. And to your point, Brett, Arizona took the lead twice in the fourth quarter of this game, and I think... Like, Arizona, their, their flaws that they have that we knew they had going into the season were clearly, they were visible in this game, right? The lack of depth on defense really cost them in the second half. 
but the offense was about as good as we hoped it would be. It could stand to improve. Some receivers could get better separation or some separation. That would help. Grant Cannell could not hold on to the ball as long. But they scored 30 points against USC. You'll take that. But what was impressive to me, and maybe this just happens when it's the first game of the season or this weird season, everyone's just excited to play football, but USC never put back-to-back scoring drives together. Every time they scored, Arizona scored before the Trojans got back into the end zone or kicked a field goal. And that's how you stay in a football game. And Arizona, so many times it would just snowball against them last season because they weren't good and they didn't have that fight. So the coaching staff clearly had this team ready to play. They had a good game plan. Like there are obviously things you can be you can nitpick if you want. I mean, they lost the game, so it wasn't perfect. You know, Gunnell's interception, it's football's a simple game. Arizona lost a turnover about a one nothing. That one turnover led to seven points. Arizona lost by four. You know, it might be that simple. But at the same time, if you're an Arizona fan, and again, it's the low bar we all have set for them. But watching that game, it was stressful in the fourth quarter. It's like, wow, I this is what it's like to be like hanging on every play and hoping that your team can win, thinking that they might actually do it. And that hasn't happened in a while. So to have that opportunity, to have that as a fan, as someone who watches this team and follows them, like that was, that was nice. That was entertaining. And if you're an Arizona football fan going to this season, you want growth, but you also want to be entertained. And that game, at least for one game this season, we saw both. Like we had both of those things. Yeah. And, in the game where there were some, you know, not publicly known late scratches, shall we say, due to injury or otherwise, especially at the receiver group, which you mentioned that there wasn't necessarily a lot of separation on some of the routes, maybe. But if you're missing, uh, you know, oh, Brian Castile, Castile didn't play, Dixon, Drew yeah. Dixon didn't play. Those are two guys that, I mean, Brian Castile was your leading receiving receiver returning, right? Like everybody talks about Jamari Joyner, but uh, Castile had the most number of receptions and yards, I think, last season. Um, you know, and, and, and another thing that was maybe the most disappointing thing for me offensively was that Booby Curry didn't seem to do very much, even with all those receivers out. And I don't know, um, you know, I didn't go back and really, I, I saw a little bit of it. It was re-airing the next day. So I watched a few, few, uh, you know, a few plays over again, but I didn't see anything that was like, I, I'm disappointed. I expected him to have a little more of a coming out kind of game. Yeah. But then you also saw, you know, Tavion Cunningham have his big receptions. There was, you know, God bless Grant Gannell, uh, some long check down plays that can turn into good play. <laughs> good. Well, you know, I think there was a touchdown on one of those for, you know, for goodness sake. Like, oh, what was Joyner, the last time we yeah. saw that? Well, that's the thing, too, with Gannell. The hope was him coming in and being the starting quarterback. He's a better passer than Kulo Tate was. He's a better fit for a passing offense that he would be a smarter quarterback. And Kulo Tate, for as exciting as he could be, he could be really damn frustrating as well. And Gunnell, his mistake in this game, again, he held the ball too long a couple times, which led to sacks, which maybe if the receivers get open, like I'd rather take a sack than try to throw it up into double coverage. But he maybe I think he made the one throw that got intercepted, which well, he actually should have had two on that first drive. <laughs> like, this first throw should have been picked probably, this, and then the second one was picked. But those were the only, like, bad throw-slash-reads. Like, he had some incomplete passes, sure, but I don't remember him putting the ball in danger. And if you're Arizona, there are keys to them being successful this year. Well, keep the defense off the field, put long drives together, and don't turn the ball over. Well, Grant Canal, yes, he turned the ball over on the first drive of the game, but after that, he was every bit the quarterback that Arizona needs him to be but also effective, and he ran for some first downs like to the point where USC put a spy on him in the second half, which is like, okay, that's neat. But Gunnell was every bit the starting quarterback. Like Arizona's offense was not a problem this game. Like They had some drives where they went cold, usually because they had a penalty or something, which set them behind the sticks, and then they just couldn't recover. But Gary Brightwell ran for 112 yards on 21 carries. You know, he mentioned Cunningham, 110 yards and a touchdown. That long was 75 yards. He just blew by Greg Johnson the defensive back for USC, former Arizona commit, I think, at one point. Uh, Joyner's touchdown run, or touchdown catch, was just speed and angles. Like, that's type of talent that when Arizona's pulling away from USC, and it's not the entire team, obviously, it's just a couple players, some of their faster receivers, but they're making USC pay in ways that Arizona doesn't usually make a USC team pay. The offense was fine. They scored 30 points. If Arizona plays like that every week offensively, they're going to have a chance in every single game they play. Honestly, if you throw out some bad, very ill-timed third-down penalties on defense, the defense wasn't even really that much of a problem. In the first half, the defense was much better than it was in the second half. 
Sure. Um, but they, and I think that's where the, the lack of depth to your point earlier started to show up where I know like the coaches said, you know, as they got down in the fourth quarter, they were maybe having some guys that were dinged up and, and uh, especially like, I think there was it Christian Young was maybe out and ready short got hurt and was missing some plays and Jackson Turner got hurt. He was out on the final series, which he was really good for them in this game. Yeah. And, and I mean, not to pick on Jarius Wallace, but the the tight end touchdown was on was in man coverage on Jarius Wallace, who was had only I think only played like twenty something snaps that game, yeah. uh, largely in that fourth quarter, right? Um, but like the the some some of our biggest questions were how well is Arizona Arizona's defense going to adopt the new coaching staff scheme? How good of schemers were they, and how good were they were they at putting people in a position to be effective? And then, of course, the depth question, especially at linebacker, uh, which, of course, we haven't even talked of the surprise of the walk-on linebackers that we mocked a few weeks ago. Rourke Freeberg, I hardly knew ye. Now <laughs> I am a big fan of you. <laughs> because he, I mean, so as far as a walk-on can, can, can do against USC in his first career start, he played pretty darn well. Yeah, and he had that key stop on a fourth down. We're tackling behind the line of scrimmage and got Arizona the ball back. And that that's, <laughs> it's... It's weird to be excited about a loss, you know? Uh, Grand, when you had lost seven games previous to this and none of them were close, a close loss where you could have won. It's like, part of you is like, if you have a chance to win that game, win the damn game. You know, you have a chance to pull the upset. Pull the upset. They had the lead, took the lead with minute 25 left, finished the game. And again, Christian Willen Wallace almost had the interception, would have clinched it. Like, that's the difference, though. And when you're Arizona, that one turnover, that one penalty, that one missed opportunity that could be the difference, and you kind of hope it isn't against a team like USC because you have to play a good game. Like, USC didn't play a good game. Slovis was interestingly, I guess, duck-armed or whatever. Like, he wasn't throwing the ball with much zip, at least until the last two drives. All of a sudden, he remembered he was keyed on Slovis. But USC had some dumb penalties. They missed a field goal. You know, they weren't great, but they don't have to be great to beat a team like Arizona, but Arizona has to be great to beat a team like USC. And people like Freeberg stepped up and did the job. Like, it wasn't a defensive effort where you say, well, they just didn't know what they were doing. Like, you got the impression watching that game that the defense knew what it was supposed to be doing. In some cases, just the depth, they couldn't do it or they're just exhausted. You know, they got a pass rush in the first half with their down linemen. You know, Aaron Blackwell, Roy Lopez, they were good. They were getting pressure. They were making an impact and allowing people like Freeberg to make plays, but just the defense wore down. They just don't have the depth, and they're not. The problem is they're not going to have the depth this season. It's just it's not coming yet. Well, it's funny. You could. I. I feel like w- even watching the game, you could see Arizona's defensive linemen, both both the first string and second string guys, like having Miles Tapuso as your second string, like rotational D lineman. There were plays where, um, you know, the Arizona defensive line was just blowing back the interior linemen of yeah. USC, which is not something we're accustomed to seeing. And it, even if they don't get a sack, they're getting a pr- getting pressure and being disruptive. Now, there's also a player too where I saw Miles Tapuso blow back their guard, and then <laughs> Slovis would scramble around and he would basically be like, "All right, I gave my five seconds of effort on this play, and the play was still going." And then like <laughs> Slovis like ran by him. But uh, yeah, I, you know, if one of the if the if the defense was by far the biggest question mark, is you feel you feel like you at least have a good puncher's chance defense with the way that the, the players and the scheme uh, were incorporate, you know, were incorporated in the new, with the new staff in a way that at least gave them a chance to be successful and keep them in the game. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and gosh, you're a Christian Roland Wallace, just, you know, ball hits him in both hands that he's, he's trying to high point it. And boy, even if he doesn't intercept that, if he just knocks the ball down, it doesn't somehow bounce into the receiver's hands <laughs> the St. Brown's right? hand <laughs> you know like I mean yeah an interception the game's over uh, but even an incomplete pass there is a Way fundamentally better. different <laughs> a fundamentally different situation right like that was the absolute um, worst thing that could have happened on that play I, I'm still I'm still not sure how that ball bounced up and seemed to take forever to land but still the receiver was in time to catch it and still in bounds it but, was, but that, it was that's weird. football you know and when you're Arizona that's the play you have to make and not to harp on Christian Roland Wallace, he's a good, he's a good player. He had a chance at a couple of interceptions, missed time his jump on one. I think the last one, I think he timed his jump perfectly. It was just that, just 
at half an inch too high. You know, sometimes that pass like just dropped it right over, like didn't drop it right over him. But that happens. I don't like. I don't blame him for that. But you just watch. Well, I saw the replay, and I'm like, oh man, it was like halfway in his hands. Like, I think he did everything he could, but. The, <laughs> The re- the replay made me feel worse about that. It did. <laughs> me too. Like and you see the closer like at first you're like, oh it was just maybe hit off his you know, tips of his fingers, you know, and then just bends like it's like no, it was like halfway into his hand and just kinda squirted through <laughs> right to St. Brown and like I it's hard to be upset. It's it's one of those you look at and say, Oh man, they were that close. And and they said after the game, the players coached yeah, all the right the, you know, all the right comments, you know, like we're we're optimi- I think Ganell talked about being optimistic and confident, but they're not going to settle for losing, no matter what, no matter how close it is. And that's the absolute, that's the attitude you want them to have. Like, don't be happy with this. But there is, like you said earlier, Brett, there's a lot to take away from this game. Where if you can build on it, you should have absolute confidence that you're going to win some games this season. Because the Arizona team we saw against USC, if they play like that, they're going to be in games, and they're going to be. Like, I think they could have beat Utah if they played like that. Now, Grant, we haven't yeah. seen Utah. But, like, I feel like they could have beat a Utah team with question marks on offense, too, with a new quarterback and all the pieces they had to change. Maybe. I mean, that would have been a road game. But just this Arizona team, the the tone of the season I don't think has really changed much because they're still 0-1, and it's still a weird season. We'll see how many games they actually get in. But if you're hoping to see improvement, if you're hoping to see reason to believe that this coaching staff may have the right idea and may be in the process of – pushing this program forward for 60 minutes of football against USC, they gave you that. Like, they gave you reason to believe. And it could all go away if they go to Washington this week and then just look terrible. But for 60 minutes, for the first time, oh, really, since, I don't know, did people really think when Arizona beat Colorado last season that they were like, okay, this is, I mean, I I guess I did. So (laughs) I thought they were pretty good. But for the first time, I guess, since then, you can leave a game, an Arizona game, and didn't matter that they lost, you could still feel pretty good about the program. Maybe not that game, even though you should feel pretty good about that game, but the program, there might be reason for optimism. Yeah, and I think the competitive side of me loves that they're not accepting the moral victory. Like, we had that conversation a week or two ago of, like, and I was like, there's no such thing as a moral victory, and it seems like the team has adopted that mentality, which I think matters more than the fan, like, yeah, it, you know, like it, there's there's a lot to like. There's obviously still things that are concerning um, that you'd like to see get remedied, you know, you or even, you know, you love to see Grant Gannell being such a threat running the ball. But also that's not a sustainable no. thing for his health in the long term. <laughs> he took some but shots also, in that game. But I also wonder if now that there's there's a everybody's going to watch the tape on this game and say, hey, he will take advantage of this. And maybe they, if they, you know, if you spy the quarterback, that's not Khalil Tate, that's one less guy in coverage with a guy that can pass the ball effectively. And you might see that show up in, in, you know, in ways that will indirectly show up in the stat sheet and in the outcomes of some games by taking one more guy out of coverage. Right. Yeah. Um, But yeah, all in all, you know, you look at that game and, (laughs) For the as being the person that said there's no such thing as a moral victory, I'm going to call that a moral victory. <laughs> well, I think we can believe in moral victories. The team should not. Right. Like we can say, hey, you competed. Good job, Wildcats. But them in that locker room, they should be thinking, we should have won that game. That's what you want them to think, is that, one, that you want them to have confidence that they're good enough to win that game, and two, to believe that they should have. And if you want to say Arizona should have won that game, like I'll buy that. I don't think they necessarily deserve to win it any more than USC. Each team made plays. Each team, you know, did what they needed to do to win the game. Just USC made the final play that they needed to. But I guess when it comes to Gunnell, this was, what, his second game with the, as a full-time starter with no Khalil Tate on the sideline. Um, the way he led that drive to take the lead in the fourth quarter, I guess the second time to take the lead in the fourth quarter, they got the <laughs> touchdown. You know, after USC, Arizona took the lead on the Haversick 51-yard field goal. By the way, Haversick, he missed his first kick and made the next three, including the 51-yarder that gave him the lead. Great game from him. Like, we'll take that every time. Apparently, he can make the 50-yarders, but you ask him to make, like, a 30-something yarder or a 40-yarder, it's going to be questionable. But great game, Lucas Haversick. You'll take that. Like, great job. But the last drive that Gunnell led, it was an eight-play, 65-yard drive helped by an errant kickoff by USC's kicker. But Gunnell was calm on that. Like, I remember before the drive started, he was just looking. You saw him smiling on the field. It's like, oh, 
that dude's confident. He's, he's relaxed now. And I don't think he was that way to start the game, but in that moment, he definitely was. And it's like, that has to give you confidence. Absolutely, it has to. Yeah, well, it, he's the undisputed leader of the offense as a true sophomore, right? Um, and he has enough experience to be able to rightfully claim, claim that throne. And yeah, the, the jitters that came that were in that first drive were definitely disconcerting, to say the least. But, <laughs> you know, it's how you finish the game more than you start it. Um, granted, that interception and the points off it were ultimately the deciding factor. But, yeah, there's a lot to there's a you look at this game. There's a lot to like. There's a lot to build on. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you got a lot of guys also their first experience uh, on the field or or in a starting role. You know, it makes me feel like the Washington game is more of a, you know, I think that was maybe our middle one between Utah, USC, and Washington. Like, we thought that would probably be the the middle one, and we would have thought that would have been, I think we both agree that Utah was the most likely win of those three, Mm -hmm. um, and USC being the least likely, but I think we both probably would have considered Washington closer to the USC likely outcome than the Utah likely outcome. Especially because it's on the road. And, you know, you watch that game, and there's there's plenty of room for improvement like uh even even on the Arizona offensive side like some of the receivers weren't performing that well some of the guys are going to get back from injury you know what does that do for opening up your offense does that open more holes for Gary Brightwell who looked as expected very good and yeah. Michael Wiley in limited uh snaps looked like he was effective you know it looked great in his not many snaps but his one catch was i i'm surprised he was on the two deep was Mejon Wright it was a that great guy catch and that guy looks like a like a man for a true freshman out there, right? Yeah. Like with some serious athleticism. I pointed that ball on the sideline. I think that was the go-ahead drive, like the last go-ahead drive in the fourth quarter where he caught I that one. That, I think that's right. Um, and, you know, you see that and you throw, you know, if Booby Curry lives up to the expectations in the preseason, which he wasn't very, you know, present in this game in terms of, at least in terms of catches, and he, he definitely missed a block on <laughs> Craig Johnson on one of those uh, swing passes, which... We'll call that a learning experience. Um, <laughs> you know, like he kind of hung. I forget who the receiver was who caught that out to try for a 10-yard loss. I think it but, might uh, have been, was it Joyner, I think? Uh, there I, were a couple I, of those I swing passes, the, the Mazzoni special, and they did not work well. Like, you have to get the blocking on those for them to work. <laughs> you know? And Arizona did not have the blocking to make them work. Yeah, part of the, you know, one thing Rich Rod's old offense had, they had their receivers blocking for running very effectively. And I'm not sure we've seen that as well in the Kevin Sumlin era, but also like, you know, there, you need to have guys that can execute on that. And then eventually if you can even get some, stay on, you know, stay on track with or on schedule with your getting a few yards on those, eventually those a wear out the defense and B set up for potential you know, trickeration, yeah. like a, you know, a fake throw there. And then actually you send Tavion Cunningham on the other side down a, uh, on a streak or a, a post down the middle of the field. Right. And that opens those kind of things up over time. Yeah. Now I, you can nitpick Arizona lost a game and they weren't perfect. They lost a turnover battle. Receivers weren't getting open. The defense wore down in the second half, especially they had to lead twice in the second half and gave it up the first drive. They could have each time like that's, not how you win games usually. But Arizona fought in this game more than we've seen them fight in a while. The coaching seemed to be pretty on point, especially the game plan seemed to be pretty good. People talked about Arizona playing soft defense on the game losing drive, and someone mentioned that they just were down safety, so that impacted how things go. And also, the USC version of the air raid, generally you want to play like that zone against them. You don't want to blitz Slovis. Like you want to drop back and make them have to make throws. And to that credit, they were a half inch away from it working. You know, Roland Wallace gets an interception. It's like, wow, they did it. You know, but that, that's football. And I feel like we can feel good about it. The players should feel miserable. They should be like, yeah, we should have won that game because we're good enough to win that game. But for us looking at it from our vantage point, it's like, hey, they were entertaining. They were competitive. And there's a lot to build, especially when it's the someone recruits, the guys that they brought into the program that are making the plays for them. And of course, Jalen Harris, not one of those guys, but he had a good game too as an outside linebacker, someone in coverage, got some pressure as well. So it was for a first game that was supposed to be their second game, but for a first game that they played a top 20 team, it was probably not the, a top 20 team in the country. 
Certainly not right now. USC's lucky to be 2-0. They could easily be 2-0-2. Arizona acquitted themselves well. The question is where they go from here, right? It's only one game of, I guess, the six now they're, at this point, guaranteed to play this season. You know, that's it's, it's one game. Guaranteed is a loose term in 2020. Yes, that's true. But that's what it comes down to. Like, this game is now in the rearview mirror. You can feel good about it, but you have to build off of it. Well, you know, we've talked about numerous times, I think, over the very extended off season of, and I think you wrote an article on AZ Desert Swarm of, like, do wins matter more or is it how you, how you look, right? Um, yeah, some people didn't like this, that column, but it was basically like this season isn't about wins and losses. They'd be nice. Like, obviously, you want to win games, but this season specifically is probably about more than that. That's what I thought. But Yeah, if, if, if you say you play, if you go two and four in six games and you are this competitive in all of the in all of those losses that's the kind of season that makes it easier to justify keeping the entire coaching staff intact because you could see the progress on the field even if it's not showing up in wins and losses yet but if you if you play this competitively all season you win it you know you win a couple games i don't know i i I think we we went back talking about with ronnie a while back like with all with the red shirt rules, I feel pretty darn good actually. If this is how they look the rest of the season, even if they only end up with two wins, right? Like yeah, going into yeah. next year with a recruiting class coming in, you know, I think that's you got something to you got something building here. Yeah, so you don't have to win. I think if you're Arizona, we think if you're Arizona to have a successful season, but you know, if you're doing some sports betting, you do need to win. Otherwise, it's probably less fun. But between the NFL, college football, college basketball is going to be starting up soon. You know, there's no shortage of games to watch. And with the thousands of lines available on all your favorite sports and events, you can turn your game day into payday with my bookie. That's right, Brett. If you're the type of guy who likes to back the big favorites, consider putting a couple in a parlay for a much bigger payout. Not only do parlays make meaningless games exciting, but more importantly, they give you a chance to turn ordinary bets into a real moneymaker. And don't forget those underdogs. Especially Arizona was an underdog last week against USC. If you would have bet on Arizona with the points, that's a winner. So, you know, underdogs like Arizona last week have a ton of value. And that's the thing about the NFL is that underdogs are never really dogs on Sunday or on Saturday with college teams or, I guess, Sunday with some of them when they get moved. It's a mess. But every team truly has a chance to win, and you do too. Game spreads, championship futures, and player prop bets. It's never too late to get on the action and start running your sports knowledge as a money-making opportunity by turning into actual cash in your wallet. Sign up at MyBookie, and when you do, use our promo code OVERTIME to claim a deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to 1000 bucks. That's a bonus designed to give you a little help and a head start on your winning season. Remember, that's promo code OVERTIME for you to claim your bonus when you make your deposit. Stacked UFC cards, college football games, NFL games, college basketball coming soon, all the major sports and more. Sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at MyBookie. Brett, we talked about Arizona's next game. It's like, what do they do next? That's how you can kind of build off of the first game. Let's talk about the game against Washington after this break. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back. And, Brett, we talked about it. Arizona played pretty, pretty well against USC in defeat at home last Saturday. But in terms of moral victories, they only really count for anything if you build off of them. Arizona's next game at Washington, Saturday, 6 o'clock. It's going to be cold against a Washington team that's had an interesting start to their season as well. They've only played one game this season. They beat Oregon State 27-21 at home last week. Not exactly impressive victory. They got some help with some officiating in that one. Their first game against Cal, of course, got canceled to start the Pac-12 season. Arizona's an underdog. I know they're a double-digit underdog already, and we're recording this on Tuesday. So that's where it's at. People don't expect the Cats to beat the Dogs. But if Arizona plays like they did, I, I don't know. Are we overrating what Arizona did, especially against a team on the road like Washington? I think there's... 
a couple ways to look at it because I think Arizona overperformed expectations against a ranked USC team, and you can quibble with whether USC is a good enough team to be ranked or not. But then we look at what Washington did, and I got to watch a little bit of the game, but I'm also an old man, and that game started late, and therefore I went to bed early, despite it being my fiance's uh, undergrad alum school. But if you go look at the like the stats even for Washington, I mean, the Beavers, the the Oregon State Washington game, the Beavers lost two turnovers, were outgained 408 to 252 in total yards, and still somehow the Beavers only lost by six. Yeah. <laughs> um, which, you know, there's there's a lot to unpack there just from a statistical anomaly kind of game, right? Um, so if you and if you look at if you watch that game and you look at the stats the thing that Washington has done well and it's not a surprise given what their talent level is and where their strengths are is that they run the ball well they had 267 rushing yards um Sean McGrew is an old U, a recruit that U of A tried to go after back in the Rich Rod era and were in on for a while he's a little fast guy uh but you know they they have a big offensive line they like to run the ball their quarterback didn't do that much new quarterback uh, Dylan Morris for that yeah yeah I mean 14 of 24 for 141 yards is not exactly setting the world on fire though I think I saw somewhere that it was like pro football focus rated him as like the fifth best quarterback in the Pac-12 last week based on that game so which, do we not like pro football focus now I know Arizona I don't, State I, for a little bit I don't I don't know it, people I'm, run hot and cold with them I mean if you're 14 of 24 for 141 yards and the fifth best rated quarterback in the Pac-12, that may not be a pro football focus question. It may be a Pac-12 quarterback <laughs> question. Um, well, I guess you know, he, so, he looked like a caretaker quarterback, right? Yeah. Like They wanted to win that game running the ball, and they were able to do that. And you don't know, because he hasn't had to do it, if they have to throw the ball to win, can they do it? Now, is Arizona good enough defensively to make them have to throw the ball? That's a fair question. You know, the Wildcats go into this game knowing that Washington wants to run the ball. I think uh, their coach, Jimmy Lake, this is his first, like, you know, new coach there, too. Like, he went into his press conference, like, with something about, like, a hat or a shirt that's something about running the ball, like, run the damn ball or something like that, which is kind of ironic because that's all they did, basically, to beat Oregon State. But that's Washington for you. They they even have, even when Peterson was their coach, they weren't exactly a spread offense, you know, and air it out. They wanted to beat you running the ball. They had guys like Miles Gaskin, I remember, you know, good running back. Like, that's what they did. So the fact that they could win games that way is not surprising now. That was their first game, too, against Oregon State. Oregon State had played a game in week one. So you, I guess there's not a ton of film, a ton to work with here. Similar to Arizona, these teams each had a game, and you said Arizona probably overperformed, Washington probably underperformed, but it's just one game. It's the first game of the season. This one's in Washington in front of whatever. I don't think there's going to be any crowd there. I don't even think Arizona got to have family and people in the stands. I don't think Washington's allowing anybody in the stands, to my knowledge. But it's a different environment against a team that historically has been better than you. You know, but if Arizona plays like they did against USC, now how much of that was Arizona being better than people think and how much of it was USC being worse than people think? We'll see because Washington's a, it's just a different game. And if you're Arizona, you can go up on the road and compete with this Washington. Like Washington's not built to outscore you. Like they're built to just grind it out and play some defense and win, and they barely beat Oregon State, who I mean Jefferson ran for 133 yards and a touchdown. He's good though, so we don't know how good this Washington team is, and there's a lot of assumptions going into the season about how bad Arizona was and how good their opponents are, and if people were wrong on both accounts, then you have a competitive game that Arizona has a chance in. Yeah, I think it's not going to be a mystery to determine who who is succeeding in this upcoming game Saturday because Washington wants to run the ball. Arizona's revamped defensive line showed for large stretches of the USC game that they were able to be disruptive and and get some pressure. Um, but also in the second half, especially when USC started moving to more like the stretch plays, the outside runs, uh, they were not as able to contain that or be disruptive enough to disrupt that. And then Arizona got exposed a little bit in the second half against the run in yeah. that sense. And Sean McGrew is, you know, he's not a power running back. And he was their leading rusher last week with 91 yards on nine carries. He's a he's a speedy he's a speedy guy, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's 
he's stockily built, but he's a he's not, you know, he's more JJ Taylor than he is Nathan Tilford, <laughs> to put it that way, right? Um, but he's never been the bell cow or anything close to that for Washington. No, you know, and he only I mean, had nine carries against Oregon State, so it yeah. wasn't like he. They're, they're more of a committee approach, but like it has to work for them. I mean, <laughs> Richard Newton had 15 carries for 41 yards only, which is a 2.7 yards per carry is dreadful in college football, <laughs> right? Um, and Kamari Pleasant had 12 for 61, which is better. what five yards, you know, better, but not, you know, that's five yards, yeah, 5.1. Yeah, so it's if it's to me, this game entirely comes down to can Arizona's defense, you know, not they're not going to be able to control Washington from the ability to run the ball, but can they? you know, limit it a little bit, especially on those stretch plays with McGrew um, and not have to sell out to, to to defend against a more power running scheme for when like guys like Richard Newton are getting the ball, right? Yeah. Um, and I think the hope would be that in the past when you had an undersized lack of depth defensive line, you maybe had to sell out with your linebackers and, and load the box to make sure that people couldn't just run the ball down your throats. Um you know the USC game. It wasn't necessarily that kind of running style that was that was working against Arizona. The bigger challenge was those stretch plays and getting outside. Uh, you know, and that's that's a different kind of thing to defend against. And that's where you're you're getting more de- dependent on your outside linebackers and your and and, and uh, even your in, inside linebackers to some extent, depending on what kind of play call you're joining and what the the scheme is. Yeah. But that's going to be if you can control that and you can see. You know, make Dylan Morris have to try to beat you with his arm once in a while. Um, you know, and maybe he, and maybe he proves to be a very effective quarterback uh, and, a, and a threat offensively. But that's also a way where, you know, the more you force them to pass the ball and get them out of their comfort zone, I also think is the more likely chance that Arizona is going to have to, you know, steal a turnover or two through an interception. Um but that's all predicated on stopping the run, right? And yeah. then, you, and then you need the offense to the same game plan is going to apply all season long. Try to have long sustained drives, feed Gary Brightwell, don't turn the ball over with Grant Gannell. Occasionally take your shots. That's it's it's a simple game plan in my mind. Uh, you kind of pointed to Arizona's defense as they key. I actually think it's Arizona's offense in this one, just because Washington. I don't believe. Like, I don't trust them. New quarterback, new running backs and roles they haven't really had to fill before. I don't trust them to be able to keep up. Like, could they score 30 points in this game? I don't know. Like, is Oregon State's defense that good? Hard to imagine it is. And Washington struggled to get 27 against him. Like you mentioned, Morris, 14 to 24, 141 yards. That's not exactly the type of line that you give a quarterback who you believe in. You know, they clearly didn't put a lot on him, and maybe that's because he's new, and maybe the talent is there, and playing a team like Arizona whose defense isn't that talented necessarily could just be the medicine he needs to just light it up. Like it wouldn't be the first time that a mediocre quarterback has looked like a pro bowler against Arizona. Like I get that, but if Arizona can put up a kind of performance like they did, obviously without the turnover, especially the early turnover on the first drive and keep up with Oregon state and maybe even have a lead at times, it opens up everything else. Because Arizona's defense, like we didn't, we saw them with the lead in the second half against USC, but it was also the fourth quarter, and they were just gassed. You know, they were. You could tell they were running out of bodies. They were tired, which is going to be a problem against anyone they play. But if the offense can get that fast start and make it just a little bit easier, and maybe make Washington slightly more one-dimensional, put put it on Morris's shoulder to try to win the game, I think you have a chance. Now, the weather might be a factor. I think I saw the weather report; it's supposed to be uh, sunny actually on Saturday, which would be nice. Like, what are the odds? But if it's raining and stuff, that could change things. Obviously, Arizona's not used to playing. I know someone said in his press conference they practice with a wet ball to try to simulate that, but you got to play in it, right? Until you've done it, you really don't know what it's like. But can Arizona move the ball against Washington's defense? Is Washington's defense what it has been in the past? And if Arizona can move the ball and score some points, I mean, obviously, they'll have a really good chance to win the game if you can score a lot of points. But to me, that's the way to control the game. That's the way to win most of these games because they're not going to shut teams down defense. Although I texted you during the game the other day against USU. It's like you saw that defensive line. It's like, wow, imagine having Tony Fields and Colin Schooler as linebackers along with Anthony Pandy. Like, you don't want to think that way because there's nothing you can do about it. But it's like, wow, 
This is actually a pretty good defensive line, which would make life a lot easier for talented linebackers, talented, experienced linebackers, and they don't have that. But like, especially early in the season, I don't see Arizona's defense being good enough to win games. Or, But if they can be good enough to keep you in a game, the offense needs to be good enough to win it. And we saw it against USC. The offense needed to do one more thing, and they couldn't do it. We're like 25 seconds. But the turnover, that was the big thing, right? Third play of the game, you could argue that's when they lost, which is crazy to think about. But that was the difference in the game. But even then, I guess it even they were. Christian Roland Wallace, you know, jump away from surviving, from pulling that one out. But now that's how I look at this game. Like Washington, they're still similar to Utah was. There's a lot of new faces, especially offensively in key parts. And their first game was not exactly impressive. Now, maybe it's first game jitters. Maybe it's a playing Arizona will be just what they needed to look like a juggernaut offensively. But until they can show you they can do it, I won't bet. Meanwhile, we've seen Arizona's offense play well. And USC has some talented defensive players. They're not a bad defense. Like They might be poorly coached. But talent-wise, they have it. And Arizona moved the ball against them. Scored 30 points against them. So I'm... When we do our position, I'm not going to pick Arizona to win this game but I certainly see a way for them to do it, and it's with that offense. Yeah, you mentioned the the weather being sunny. Um, I got to think that is to Arizona's benefit for a couple reasons. First of all, I think it'll help. I think Grant Gannell, Arizona's going to rely on Grant Gannell passing the ball more than Washington will rely on their passing game. They hope anyway, a, yeah. <laughs> you know, a drier environment will help. And also, uh, you know, if there's a sunny day in Seattle in November – that may distract all the Washington <laughs> players because they probably haven't seen the sun in three months and will be scared at this shadowy-looking figure that keeps what, following them around. What is this bright light in the sky? <laughs> I mean, I've literally I've gone to see I've gone to Seattle dozens of times in my life. I remember one time going there and watching people come out with their kids and be like, "Hey, kids, let's make shadows," because they hadn't seen the sun in three months. Really? And they were the concept of making shadows was something novel to them is that that's really a thing <laughs> i literally saw that happen a mother and her daughter in downtown seattle be excited about making a shadow <laughs> i i mean i grew up in phoenix so obviously the sun is you know pretty familiar with the sun and its effects on light but <laughs> i mean i guess like if we saw if it snowed it's like oh we could go make snow angels right it's the same it's like let's go make shadows <laughs> I mean, think about how much everyone in Arizona loses their damn mind when it rains. Yeah, I guess. That's just funny to me. Let's <laughs> go make shadows. And now I feel like a jerk because that probably means a lot to those kids to be able to make shadows. <laughs> <sighs> there goes a star in the review. Adam hates children and happiness. They don't know what stars look like. It's overcast all night most of the time in Seattle. <laughs> But I, I guess that would be that would be nice for good weather. Obviously, I'm sure the players would prefer good weather too. But for Arizona's game plan, like you, they don't want to throw the ball around a lot. Obviously, like you want to be balanced. And Arizona was actually pretty balanced in this game. I thought. Now, Grant Gannell's runs kind of impacted the totals, right? Like he threw what 36 passes in this game, and they Arizona had 24 uh, rushing attempts. But I guess looking at the stats here. You know, how many? I'm looking at the wrong stats now. Anyway, some of those rushing attempts were Gunnell's, which weren't exactly rushing. I think there was like one design run he had, I remember, where he pulled it and would just ran for like four yards on a first down play. It's like, oh, that's that's nice. But you want to be balanced. But Arizona, the, the big things you need to see are those receivers getting some separation and making life a little bit easier for Gunnell so they can take those shots down. They're like, they got the one against USC to Cunningham, which is a really good ball. Like, amazing. He almost slightly underthrew Cunningham. Because Cunningham's so damn fast. But it was still like a really, really good throw. Took the shot, had the time, and his guy got open. You're not going to expect that all the time. But it's nice to be able to have that in your back pocket. So can Arizona's guys, can Booby Curry be, be more of a factor? You know, is Castile coming back or Dixon coming back? Does that change the passing game? Like, I'm interested to see it. Or are you going to see... <laughs> the elusive use of the tight end more right yeah um like that's one thing where i was i was mentioning before like if you get a, a quarterback spy you're using up one of the linebackers for that 
you know, that that can maybe open up some checkdowns to Bryce Wolma or, uh, you know, I, I'm blanking on the name of the, the tight end Juco guy they got. I don't even know oh, if Marshall? he played. Yeah, Stacey Marshall. That I'm not even sure he got any snaps against USC after being kind of the talk of, uh, you know, the offseason a little bit. Um, you know, maybe maybe the coaching staff had a plan in place there that they saw something where they didn't want to use the tight ends there. I'm not sure why you wouldn't want to. I think I, Bryce Wilma had one catch for three yards, and it was on like a a very, very shallow kind of drag <laughs> route, right? Um, you know, th- you've got to think if you're going to establish the running game, there would be some opportunity for, for the tight ends there, especially if Washington is going to adjust to a, you know, the massive running threat that is Grant Gunnell, right? <laughs> um, I mean, he had 13 carries for 40 yards. That's, I think, inclusive of sacks. So he probably, when he ran the ball, I think he probably averaged six or eight yards per carry. Yeah. Um, which, you know, that's, those are those are some real yards on, uh, you know, on some drives, and right? The first one looked um, more like a fall. But I think after that, they were playing runs and slides or, you know. I think I, I, think I tweeted on the Wildcat radio handle that he... Like one of the things he got a first down for nine yards, I felt like he was falling for seven yards. <laughs> but you look at he, his high school numbers; he he ran like he isn't just a statue in the pocket. Like and he showed good. I mean, he took some sacks, but like he seemed to show pretty good pocket awareness. Like his sacks weren't just him getting like he was trying to elude the pass rushers. He just failed. <laughs> his 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 sacks were not him choosing to run the run with the ball out of bounds rather than throw it away. Yeah. <laughs> so that that was refreshing. Yeah, so I I think the game plan is largely the same. I think it's going to be the, largely the same for Arizona all season, which is, you know, the things we've talked about. Control the clock, run the ball, spread the ball around on offense. Um, and I think for the Arizona Arizona's defense this week is you, you have to try to find ways to stop the run without completely selling out in terms of, you know, putting eight guys in the box and getting burned on, on some deep plays. Yeah. Though I think Arizona's corners are talented enough that you can maybe put them on an island with and take that calculated risk in man coverage. But that makes me nervous. <laughs> well, that's going to be the adjustments, though. If you if Washington wants to beat you with, the, like, I think that's what you have to do. You have to dare them to beat you with the pass. You know, yeah. you almost have to stack the box and force them to throw the football and see if your cornerbacks, who are pretty good, can make some plays. You know, like that. That's that's the game plan. I think starting this one. Now, maybe it has to change during the game, but I think you go and saying they want to run the ball, do everything you can to take the run away at the expense of the pass, make them prove they can beat you with their passing game, and then adjust if you have to. Yeah. Though the one play that I could, I could uh, an adjustment from a Washington perspective that frightens me a little bit is a screen, pl- a screen pass to Sean McGrew on either sideline, I feel like could be very effective against our defense, <laughs> especially if we're trying to, you know, focus on the run. And if he goes out into the flat and our defense maybe doesn't quite react quickly, we're a little young and inexperienced on the, on the, in the outside linebackers and Jalen Harris is great of a player as he is. He's not catching, uh, you know, McGrew one-on-one in the open field. Yeah. But also it's like, I guess with one game in there, back in their pocket now Washington they were not exactly that passing offense too and I might be more inclined to do the dump offs you know to someone like McGrew who caught zero passes against Oregon State so I think to a degree to a degree there is a situation where like you still don't know enough about Washington this new look Washington team and who they are and maybe that's to their advantage but also maybe it's just like yeah they're they're that team they don't throw the ball they can't throw the ball <laughs> you know it's possible like we don't know. One game isn't enough to, to tell that. Just like one game isn't enough to tell that Arizona has truly turned a corner and is going to be so much better than we all thought. But that's what's kind of fun about this season. This weird season is hope. One, hopefully the game happens. You know, we're recording Tuesday, like I said, and up to now there's no indication or no reason to think it wouldn't happen. But obviously, with COVID numbers being what they are all over the country, everything is just it's precarious trying to fit football in here. But if you can get through these seasons with some games learning about yourselves and showing that progress. I'm sure Washington's feeling the same way with some, a lot of the roster turnover they've had. Like, granted, they've been better than Arizona the last couple of years, so they have a higher expectation going into the season. But new coach, new quarterback, you know, lost a lot of talent. 
Like, it's a transition year for them. You know, so those are the types of teams they have a better chance of beating. That's why I think it was we're all so excited about what happened against USC because USC was not a transition team. You know, they were returning their quarterback, returning a lot of talent from what they had. They were supposed to be good. A lot of these other teams are just like, maybe. Like, we think they'll be good because they have been good, but that doesn't mean they are. And this is a good chance for Arizona to kind of, I mean, show what they can do, can show what they are improved over last season. Like, I do think the roster is better over what they were. But one game does not prove that. Now, compete in this game, win this game, and maybe. And maybe you can actually say, that's not a moral victory, that's an actual victory. And that, of course, would matter. It would mean a lot, especially on the road against a team that you struggled with of late. Yeah, and I th- and I think it would feed into the narrative of, you know, we talked a lot in the offseason of trusting the process of what they're trying to build in terms of building out the roster, identifying talent, uh, even some, you know, underrated guys, uh, you know, filling out the roster with guys that you think can be competitive and not flame out. And we're, like you said, we're now seeing a lot of summon guys, summon guys, and you're seeing relative success from that, even for the guys that weren't that heralded. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that gives you a little bit more faith in trusting that process and trusting the coaching staff going forward to identify and develop that talent. And you look at that and say, all right, if we trust them to kind of find those guys that can add value, not be a complete swing and a miss, and then hopefully supplement or have some hits on some of these high high risk guys, high floor or, or you know low floor, high ceiling type recruits, you know, then you're really building something, right? Yeah. Well, and Arizona just picked up. A, we can finish our football talk here. Arizona just picked up an offensive lineman over, I guess, this week, a transfer from Baylor. Davis Duvall and I don't know much about him other than like he was at Baylor which is a pretty good football program and it's an offensive lineman a big offensive lineman who would be on the roster for next season and whether he starts I guess he was a three-star recruit was the number 93 guard in the country when he was coming out of high school went good enough for Baylor had offers from Oregon as well Maryland Temple so some decent offers for a guy who chose Arizona. And I know he's from, what, Scottsdale, I think. Yeah. So he wanted to come in. I don't know if ASU was interested in it or not, but he decided he chose Arizona. And that it makes you feel good when people choose Arizona. Yeah, and Davis Duvall is, is, is an interesting piece to add to the roster going forward um, for a couple of reasons. And... <laughs> I, he's a guy that I actually was curious as to why uh, Arizona was. They, I know for a fact, mainly because I'm actually friendly with his father. Uh, so I knew I, I know more about Davis Duvall than the average Arizona fan. Um, so I kind of knew about him a little bit back in high school. And was kind He was a late bloomer, a real big kid. You know, his dad's a you know a, a fairly successful local real estate guy. Um, you know, I. I think his dad is a great guy, so I would assume that he's coming from a great family. Um, you know, the kind of kid that, as a late bloomer, you just—it's—I think he, going to Notre—I think he went to Notre Dame Prep, which is a yeah. smaller prep school. You know, it's not one of the traditional big school powerhouses in the state. Um, and then he went—you um, know—I think given their family situation, he went and did prep school for a year, which kind of afforded him an opportunity to develop a little more physically, figure out where he wanted to go, and obviously that paid off in terms so of getting a relatively big offer. At he's Baylor. listed at six four and two hundred ninety three pounds. That's a big kid. Like that's good guard size. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think I saw a video of him uh, benching some like ungodly, you know, like four fifteen or something on on Twitter the other day. Um, so he's. He redshirted. He took a, a basically a gap year at a prep school. So he's, you know, in, a, in an O lineman, especially for somebody that's a late bloomer, you want that extra time for physical development and, you know, refining your craft. Uh, so, you know, and I, I know I know for a fact his dad was, because I was texting with him, is excited about him coming home and playing in Arizona. And, you know, having somebody that has that kind of intriguing upside that really wants to be a part of the program. There's there's nothing but positive things that I can see coming out of this commitment. Yeah, so Arizona football's future, especially compared to a week ago, looks better. When it comes to Arizona basketball, the future actually got a boost over the last week as well. Let's talk about that after this break.
And we're back. And yeah, Brett, Arizona basketball, I guess, never, never stops. <laughs> Arizona did get three. They had the commits. We knew they were coming. They signed over the last week. KJ Simpson, Shane Dizoni, and Shane Noel. So two Shanes, um, one who has Dizoni in his name. So that's cool. I can't wait for the headlines for that one for him. But none of these three players are guys that are like top 10, top 20 recruits. But they all seem to fit the new Arizona, which is wings, number one. You know, hard guys who play hard, can play multiple positions, will defend, and are not necessarily one-and-done talents, but are ready, will come in and work hard. That seems to be the new Arizona model, and the three guys they got, Noel, Simpson, and Dizoni, certainly seem to fit that bill. Yeah, and kind of hearkening back to what we were just talking about with the most recent football commit, they seem like guys that really want to come to Arizona. I forget which one was saying that. Oh, uh, only once that offer came, he's like, that was his dream school. Uh, was he the one that even said that he called Arizona and said, like, I want to come to your school and take a look <laughs> at my film. Um, you know, that that's a, that's a different kind of motivation than maybe uh, others that have come through sure. the program. Um, and I think that that kind of commitment and belief, especially with the cloud of the NCAA, the notice of allegations still lingering over, the fact that you've signed three, you know, essentially like top 100 type guys. Yeah, well, they're, that, they're, they're recruited. They're, they're good players. Yeah. Um, you know, you have the makings of a solid class. Uh, they, they're, they're all kind of similar in terms of size and stature. I think KJ Simpson is a little bit more of a, a point guard kind of build. Yeah. Um, the Shanes are, are, I think, are very similar in in size. Noel's um, six foot five. Dizoni six foot four. Listed as. Yeah, so that there's a noticeable lack in in a in a big man commit at this point, which you know that you can read into that a little bit. Cause there's not that many guys that Arizona spoke you know spoken about uh, or mentioned with in terms of the 2021 class at this point. Well, think about what's on the roster now: Jordan Brown, Coloco. Yeah. Tabulas, if he sticks around, like you got two, the Tabulai, Bacho, who's going to miss some time, but he's a big. You know, you have size yeah. that yeah, should I, be coming back. I'd, I'd put money at this point on it, probably being a grad transfer to or add that. some depth. Um, but you know, you're Sean Miller is still getting talent, and knowing that this roster does not have the one and dones at the same rate, certainly of this last, you know, last year where they had, you know what, nine, nine guys turnover on the roster? Yeah. You know, this is truly going to be a, a, a reload rather than a rebuild. Last year was kind of like a rebuild from this, this current year. Roster is mostly a rebuild from scratch, right? Yeah, largely. Um, you know, the, who, who has the most minutes coming back? Is it, is it Coloco or I it's really? Be, I would think Baker. Uh, I, I, I was blanking on Baker, yeah. But, I mean, you're most, you're, you're, most of your certainly most of your production is going to be new right yeah, yeah. um in terms of scoring rebounding etc but you're building you're building depth on the perimeter um that again you, you you see the plan that's kind of being laid out and you see how these guys fit they may not contribute immediately like huge minutes but it's kind of the, the, these ads feel more like I think I referenced like are, is is Sean Miller going towards more of a, a Villanova model of you know more guys that stick around for several years rather than one and dones and these guys seem to fit that kind of pattern. Um, and then I would assume that Sean Miller is still going to try to supplement them with you know star guys whether through transfers like I mean traditional grad or traditional transfers with like he did with Akinjo. Or um, or uh, Jordan Brown, uh, or more more realistically, probably looking twenty twenty two class, assuming that there's not you know major ramifications of the NCA. Yeah, and that's going to be the thing that we still don't know. And the NCAA is likely to go that one time transfer rule coming up too. And like roster management is going to be a real pain in the ass for all of them, <laughs> and especially for Arizona, where obviously if they are sanctioned and something happens, or Miller gets fired, or you know, they're held out of the tournament, there's a ban there, or scholarship reductions. You know, those are all things that could happen which could really impact this roster going forward. But I think everyone's roster is somewhat in flux. And if you're Arizona, you have to, right now, you proceed as, you know, business as usual until told otherwise. You know, and that's what these guys are. And where they they seem like the type of players who could fit into pretty much any roster that Arizona builds. You're always going to need guys like this. 
especially when they're not coming in. They don't seem the type of say, we're one and done. We need all the minutes as freshmen. These are guys who will come into the program, work, and grow into the program, and maybe they have a small role as freshmen, and then by sophomore or junior years, they're the stars of the team, kind of like that Villanova model you're talking about, kind of like the Sean Miller at Xavier model. You know, like that seems to be the track he's going. And I, of course, if Arizona can get past all this investigation, the NOA and all that, without much damage, and I think they'll get right back to those high-end five-star recruits. But I imagine it's hard to get some of them right now. Yeah, and, 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 and granted, they did it last year. You know, Mannion, Green, Najee, like they had those guys last year. And Coloco, of course, was the first seven-star, so they got him. But, you know, it's just it's a different mentality right now, somewhat probably by design, somewhat by just they're forced to do it. But either way, it looks like a good way for Arizona to go right now. And these players, especially when they still want to go, Arizona's still a brand. That's like you mentioned, like Dezoni, who wanted to go to Arizona. Like, that means something. To be a dream school for some of these guys, like, yeah, he's not a five-star, you know, top ten talent, but he's a good four-star type of player who's going to play hard and wants to be. Like, you want guys who want to be there, of course, because they want to be a part of Arizona basketball for what Arizona basketball is. They want to be coached by Sean Miller. You know, they want to play at McHale Center with hopefully soon fans, you know, sold-out crowds. Like, that's what they're coming to Arizona for. So you, you like to see it. You know, good luck to all of them, KJ Simpson, Shane Dizoni, and Shane Noel. Like, we appreciate them choosing Arizona. You know, they had offers for other schools, too. And it's just, it's nice. It's nice that Arizona basketball, until otherwise, until something else happens, they're proceeding in a way that makes you go, yeah, they're fine. Like, they'll, they'll be all right. And I know, like, James Akinjo, you brought him up earlier. He won the most recent gold jersey in practice, which isn't surprising based on what we know about Akinjo and what we think about him. It's also, you like to see it. Yeah, you because know, he's going to be a big part of if Arizona is good this season, Akinjo's going to be a big part of that. I know the season starts in like a week like from when we're recording. Like it's the end. It's already past mid-November. <laughs> like, and basketball season, college basketball season is supposed to start very, very soon. It's, it's mid-November. College basketball is about to start, and the NBA draft is happening in 24 hours from when we're yeah. recording. So it, well, that's why we're not it referencing all, it because we don't, you know, we're good luck to all, the Arizona guys in the draft, Mannion, Green, Najee. We don't know where they're going to be picked. By the time you listen to this, they'll probably have already been picked. So fill in the blank. You know, congratulations, Nico Mannion, drafted by the, you know, we think you'll do well for the, and do the same thing for uh, Green and Najee, and we'll be fine. To choose your own adventure type of thing. Yeah, though I, I there's part of me that for six months has just always believed that uh, Nico Mannion is going to be a second round pick and go to the Lakers, and Justin Spears is going to lose his head over it. <laughs> but then the Chargers will play another game, and he'll be brought back down to earth. Fair. <laughs> Poor Justin Spears, friend maybe, of the program. Maybe, <laughs> maybe maybe the Chargers should draft Nico Mannion. <laughs> But, you know, that I guess we next week we can talk. That's the timing where we do a football podcast. You no, know, we can't wait till, till Wednesday to do it because I think the last time we did that, Arizona's game got canceled within like 24 hours of the pod posting. But it will be interesting to see where, well, I guess, it is interesting to see where the players were drafted. No, I mean, just like, you know, where these, these three guys who came to Arizona, Manning was supposed to be a top 10 pick when he arrived on campus, obviously isn't leaving that way. It doesn't seem that way for us. You know, Najee was a little bit less heralded, but he played himself into, we'll see if he's a first-round pick. Josh Green has the athletic ability, but need, none of the three played well to be guaranteed first-round picks, especially guaranteed lottery picks, but all three still have a lot of potential. And, like, I'm interested to see what happens with them because I could easily see a team saying, you know, Nico Mannion, the talent is there. The mentality is there. He'll be fine. You know, you could easily say, hey, Zeke Naji was productive as all. Like, he was really productive as a freshman. He's a quick big man, runs the floor, plays hard, has an outside shot. Like, he could be the modern-day big man. And, of course, Josh Green, the defensive skill is there. If he could just be, become a more consistent shooter, you could have something. I could see any NBA GM convincing themselves that any one of those three players is going to be an underrated acquisition in this draft. But if they yeah. aren't picked in the first round, if all three of those guys are second round or late first rounder, and it's not it's not what you want to see. You know, when Derek Williams first arrived on campus, he was like a no no name recruit, and in two years he was a number two pick in the draft. Solomon Hill played his way into being a first rounder. You know, Larry Markin played himself into the lottery. 
And uh, DeAndre, of course, was the number one pick. He was like a top three pick when he arrived on campus. He left as a number one pick. Can't give all the credit in the world there. But you don't want to see guys arrive on campus as like five-star lottery picks and leave as second rounders. You know, that's what you don't want to see. So hopefully when you listen to this, that hasn't that wasn't the case. But certainly you wish those guys were more guaranteed locks to be high-end draft picks, you know, first-round picks, especially with the way they entered the way they entered campus. Like they're supposed to be those types of players. Yeah, but that's not to say that they won't have success. I no, mean, Alonzo no, of course, Trier, of course. Alonzo Trier didn't even get drafted and then got a pretty sizable payday eventually, right? Yeah. Um, honestly, I was looking through, like, some mock drafts. I think there's going to be a number of guys from the Pac-12 specifically that are going to fall to the second round that one or two of those guys is going to end up having a pretty solid career, whether it's, like, Jaden McDaniels, Nico Mannion, Josh Green, Zeke Naji, you know, None of those guys, and I think there's a couple others I'm blanking on, but none of them are guaranteed a first-round picks. But, you know, if you told me in five years any of them, you know, any of them are successful pros, I would not be surprised in the, in the slightest, right? Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's going to be what kind of situation do they, do they land in? Um, how well do they fit with what that team is trying to do and what that roster is? And then, you know, how much they're able to, commit themselves to their craft and perform in the NBA. Yeah, so good luck to those guys. We know, again, by the time you listen to this, they've probably been drafted, so congrats to them. <laughs> no matter where you get picked, you'll have your chance to make it in the NBA. That's the beauty of professional sports. If you get a chance, like that's all you can ask for. you know. And if you're good enough, you'll find a way. Um, but, Brett, I think that just about does it for our show today for this week. Um, we thank you all for listening. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ is the handle. Shoot us some questions. We could we're due for a mailbag segment sometime soon. Brett, you look like you have something to say. Oh no, I was gonna say uh you know, give us some reviews so it's not just Adam's Bubby giving us five star reviews. <laughs> yeah, she does kind of skew the numbers on things at times, but I'm impressed that she's figured out how to create multiple accounts with different usernames and everything. Like her burner accounts are pretty active. <laughs> so that's good. I, I, are they burner accounts or she just couldn't figure out how to recharge her device so she just bought a new one? <laughs> I mean, that, that would be quite the... To only to have that ability to just keep buying new devices when you forget to charge your current <laughs> one. <laughs> but certainly, yeah, make sure you you know download the show, subscribe, iTunes, uh, Spotify, anywhere you can get podcasts, tune in, you know, make sure, rate, review, subscribe, all the... You know the drill by now. Um, also, stay safe out there. We know what's going on in the world. It's not great pretty much anywhere and that's unfortunate because you know sports are important to us but also just we want everyone to be healthy and everything especially this holiday season so make sure you're wearing your masks keeping your distance as best you can you know let's everyone be smart be healthy be safe through all this because we want to make sure you can keep listening and keep giving us those five-star reviews going forward but otherwise next week we're going to talk about an arizona another arizona football game hopefully it's good news you know, building off week one, and also we'll be previewing, I guess, Arizona basketball starting for real. So until then, remember to bear down. Bear down.